a message from Trinity Grace Church in San Antonio, Texas. For more information, please visit trinitygracesa.org. Good morning. It's good to be with y'all, as always. Let me invite you to turn in your Bible to uh, Psalm 121. I will confess to you that this is the first time I think I've ever been worried about getting sunburned while preaching. So did not put on sunscreen before this. That may be good news for all of us because it makes me go a lot faster because I will roast out here. So um, it's good to be with you. As Lee mentioned, I'm the RUF campus minister at Trinity and um, just so thankful for Trinity Grace and your love for RUF, your prayers for us. uh, And I would encourage you as Lee and his wife, Sarah, have moved to town with their family to love on them and get to know them, continue to support and love the work of RUF at UTSA as well. We are really excited uh, to have them in town. Psalm 121, what we're looking at this morning is one of the Psalms of Ascent. It is a, the Psalms of Ascent are a cluster of Psalms that go from Psalm 120 uh, to Psalm 134. And this set of 15 Psalms is called the Psalms of Ascent because it was actually its own separate hymn book within the Psalter. The Israelites would have used this set of hymns as they headed up to Jerusalem for the high feast days. These were the songs that they sung on the way up to Jerusalem. Good Israelite would have gone up to Jerusalem about three times a year for the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of uh, Tabernacles. And they would have gone together and traveled in groups singing these songs as they made their pilgrimage. These were songs for the journey, as it were. And these pilgrimages were reminders that they lived their life in a journey up towards God with one another. These songs were encouragements as they traveled, meant to provide comfort and support and direction as they journeyed together. And so I hope you'll see that that has some parallels and some application for us this morning as well. Uh, For we too, as Christians, are people on a journey. We are on a pilgrimage. We have left the old way of life and are living upwards towards God with one another. Uh, And so perhaps there's some comfort for us in these old songs as well. Uh, So with all of that in place, let me pray for us and then we'll turn our attention to the reading of God's word. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we now turn our attention to your holy and inspired and inerrant word, and we pray that you would rend the heavens and come down. Would you send your spirit to be with us this morning? We know that as Moses told your people, your word is no empty word, it is no vain word, it is our very life. And so we pray that it would be that for us this morning. Jesus, you said that you were our good shepherd, and we have gathered this morning as your sheep, and you said your sheep know your voice, and so I pray that you would help us to know it this morning. Would you help us to hear you? Pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. It's in Jesus' name that I pray these things. Amen. So Psalm 121, we'll be looking at the whole chapter. A song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but God's word endures forever and ever. 
Well, it's a story as old as time, right? A hero is backed into a corner, completely cut off from all help. The enemy has him surrounded on every side and numbers too numerous to count. He's out of ammo. They are closing in on him and we realize that this is it for our beloved hero, whoever he may be. He put up a good fight for a just cause, but in the end, it wasn't enough. And now it looks like all is lost. But then just as our hero is about to meet an untimely end, we hear a sound off in the distance, a horn, a trumpet, maybe a rumble. And as his eyes look to the horizon, he realizes here comes the cavalry. Here comes his rescue. They swoop in and crush the enemy. The day is saved. Victory is snatched from the jaws of defeat. Just in the nick of time, here comes the cavalry. That would be a pretty good summary of pretty much every war, Western or superhero movie of the past hundred years, would it not? There's always a scene where someone comes in at the last minute, just when things look like they are at their worst, someone comes in and rescues them. It's been done so much that it's now become a cliche. And which raises the question, why do screenwriters, authors, and artists come back to this trope over and over and over again? Why do they keep putting that in their films and in their books? And I think it's at least in part because we love that. We love that story. We cannot get enough of it, clearly, because we keep buying the tickets, right? Why do we love that story? I suspect there's a part of us, and this season of life has probably highlighted this more than anything recently. There's a part of us that just knows we need help. There are many times in life when we have needed help and we didn't know where it was going to come from. How many of us have been in the hospital or in the ICU with doctors scratching their heads over a loved one's condition and thought, if they can't help, who can? How many of us have been at the kitchen table with bills and the checkbook and thought, where is it going to come from? How is this going to happen? What are we going to do? How many of us have curled up in bed yet again with a depression that just won't quit with every solution under the sun tried and we thought, will it ever not be like this? Psalm 121 is a psalm about help. We all need help, don't we? We need help. That's where the psalmist is. He has begun the journey and realized that his life, this journey, is going to be a hard road. And that is a crucial moment for all of us to realize because it comes for all of us. Life is hard. This road is hard that we are walking on. Life overwhelms us, and in our distress, we have to turn somewhere for help. So the question for us this morning is, where will we turn? Where will we turn when we need help? Where will our help come from? And Psalm 121 makes it very clear for us this morning. Our help comes from the Lord. Our help comes from the Lord. As we walk this pilgrim road together, the psalmist knows that we are going to be tempted to forget that. Tempted to forget where our help comes from. So the psalm has two reminders for us this morning. Number one, when life gets hard, our help comes from the Lord. And number two, when we are tempted to look elsewhere, our help comes from the Lord. When life gets hard, our help comes from the Lord. And when we are tempted to look elsewhere for help, our help still comes from the Lord. Let's look at that first one together. When life gets hard, our help comes from the Lord. I've already said this essentially, but you know this in your own experience, there will be hardships in life. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. The psalmist talks of three possible hardships that you might face on the journey. And they kind of go from small to big in their magnitude. If you look back at Psalm 121 with me. In verse three, he talks about your foot being moved or tripping or stumbling. And we might categorize this as our small problems, things in life that trip us up. 
the little stuff that affects us. Then in verse six, he, he escalates. He talks about sun and heat stroke. We might think of the bigger external stuff that affects us and exhausts us and wears us down. In verse six, he also talks about being struck by the moon, which is an interesting turn of phrase. We think that this is probably the ancient writer's way of talking about becoming emotionally or mentally ill, a way of talking about depression and anxiety. We can add plenty of things to his list of hard things, right? The death of family members, cancer, the coronavirus, unemployment. I mean, this season has cropped up all sorts of new problems for us. It wouldn't take us long to make a substantial list of all of the difficulties that the world throws at us. But what does the psalmist have to say about those hardships and hazards? In verse three, when he's talking about the small ones, he says, the Lord will not let your foot be moved. In verse five, the Lord is your keeper. And in verse seven, the Lord will keep you from all evil. So from small to medium to big problems, the Lord is with us in our hardship. In the midst of the difficulties of life, God is with us. Now, does that mean as Christians that we never stumble in this journey of life? Are we never blindsided by accidents and death? Are we never anxious or depressed or exhausted by the things that the world throws at us? Obviously not, right? Our experience tells us different. This, this Psalm is not saying that you will never trip along the way, but it does mean that no injury, no illness, no accident, no loss, no distress will ultimately conquer you, will ultimately have evil power over us. Those evil things do not decide our ending. Our God does. And he promises it will not always be this way. Eugene Peterson uses the illustration of a boat out in a stormy ocean. He says that all the water in the ocean can't sink a boat unless it gets inside. Love that illustration. All of the water in the ocean cannot sink a boat until it gets inside of it. And neither can all of the trouble in the world harm us unless it gets within us, unless we forget what this psalm is telling us this morning. That is the promise of this psalm that God guards us from every evil. None of the things that happen to you, none of the troubles that you encounter have any power to get between you and God, to dilute his grace in you or divert his will from you. So when life gets hard, our help comes from the Lord. This is where we turn. The psalmist is reminding us, perhaps in this especially hard season, to look to the Lord. It is so tempting to look elsewhere, which is the second reminder that he gives us this morning. There will always be other helpers, quote unquote. There will be other places that we look. We can often get distracted by these other offers of help. And he is telling us when we are tempted to look elsewhere, we must remember that our help comes from the Lord, not from these other things. Verse one says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? This phrase probably doesn't mean much to you this morning, uh, but to the Israelite, the phrase, I lift my eyes to the hills would have had special significance. At this point, Palestine was overrun by popular pagan worship. And a lot of it was conducted on the hilltops. That was where the shrines and the altars were set up. That was where the sacred prostitutes were, where their temples were being built. And so in looking to the hills, Israelites would have been provided a multitude of answers for their troubles. That's where all of the other gods were set up. If they were worried about the sun's heat, they could go to the priest of the sun god's temple, pay for protection. If you were worried about the moon, you could go to the moon priestess and buy an amulet. So the Israelite who looked to the hills for help would have found many people claiming to have an answer for them. 
And it's not hard to see the parallels to our own time, is it? I mean, we live in a time when one of the largest sections in the bookstore is the help, self-help section. There is a five-step you know, solution for everything that ails you in the bookstore. There are diet trends that can fix everything. There's a five-step plan for any improvement you could possibly want to make to your life. Everything you want is attainable if you just try X. Even if we don't go to the self-help section, we still look for help in all the wrong places. At least we're tempted to. We think that our accomplishments will help us. Or if we just marry the right person. Or if we can just get that promotion. If we can just get a bigger house. If we can just get our kids into the right school. We keep looking, we keep moving the field goal post back, looking to the next thing that is going to finally fix it. That is going to finally be our help. And so we're like the Israelites. We can look to the hills and ask, where does our help come from? And a thousand different answers to our problems will come back. And the psalmist is saying that none of those will be the right one. None of those other helpers are real help. The Christian looks past the hills to the one who created them, the maker of heaven and earth, and says, my help comes from him. My help comes from the Lord. And we say that, we confess that, even and perhaps especially when it doesn't feel true to us. When it feels like God isn't even paying attention to our prayers. Have you been there yet in this season? It can feel like God's not even listening to us, can't it? But verses three and four tell us, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. We serve a God who does not fall asleep on the job. We serve a God who does not fall asleep on us. He cares about the little things that trip us up as well as the big things that exhaust us and make us anxious. So I don't know where you are this morning. Perhaps you are sitting there thinking, okay, this, that sounds nice. That sounds nice. Uh, but that is just not my experience. I've prayed lots of prayers. I've waited on lots of answers that never came. If we go back to that opening illustration, the cavalry never came for me. The help never came over the hill. And I think we, a lot of us can resonate with that this morning. We know the world throws things at us that we aren't equipped to handle. Things that make us anxious and depressed, small things and big things. Our experience can make this entire psalm ring hollow if we're not careful. So how do we interpret the psalm? Where do we go from here when we are reading this and we say, yes, I know that, but it just doesn't feel true to me. I think the key to reconciling our experience with this passage lies in understanding where verses seven and eight are pointing us. Look back at those verses. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. God is the God of all time. He keeps your going out and your coming in, your beginnings and your endings. He is with you at the beginning of the journey and at the end when you arrive at your destination. And the point I'm making and that I think the psalmist is making here is that whatever happens to you while you are on the journey, you cannot be separated from God in the end because the journey is not over. The promise of the psalm is clear. He will keep your life. And of course, we know that ultimately that promise finds its fulfillment in Jesus, that Jesus is our help that has come from the Lord. How is God going to keep our life? The Bible's answer is by losing his. God proves that he cares for us by sending his son, Jesus. 
One of the accusations often thrown against Christians is that if we have a good and all-powerful God, why doesn't he do something about all the suffering and evil that we see in the world? And that's a really important question. And God's answer to that question is Jesus. Whatever we might be able to say about God, we cannot say that he does not care about our suffering because he came to this earth as Emmanuel, as God with us, and he suffered. We read from Hebrews 4 this morning that Jesus is not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He's become like us in every way, yet without sin. The next chapter in Hebrews tells us that Jesus, though he was the son of God, learned obedience through what he suffered. And the night before he went to the cross, it was not God who was asleep. It was his followers. Do you remember that in the garden of Gethsemane? Jesus asked his followers to stay awake and they can't. They are the ones who keep falling asleep. It's a constant reminder that we are the ones who sleep, not God. Jesus was awake. He was praying, Father, your will be done. He was doing all of this to be with us on the journey, or rather that we might be with him. Jesus wanted us to be with him all the way till the end. He told his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. I think it's interesting that the Jewish pilgrims actually sang this song on their way up to Jerusalem. How beautiful that they would sing about looking to the hills for their help because it's going to be on one of the hills just outside of that city at Golgotha on Mount Calvary where Jesus would be crucified. And so this morning, as we think about where does our help come from in this impossible season of life, where are we going to turn? We look to that hill. We turn our eyes upon Jesus, upon God on the cross who has given his life for us. And we are reminded that our help comes from the Lord. Has that been true for you? Yeah. Have you made that claim for yourself? That God is your help, that he has sent Jesus for you and he is sending him for you even this morning. Turn your eyes to him. Our help comes from the Lord. Amen. Let me pray for us before we go to the Lord's table. Father in heaven, we thank you for this truth. We thank you that you are not a God who is silent, who is far off, who is sleeping, who is inattentive, but that you are a God who is awake, who is active, who is our help. We thank you that you are the God who has sent us Jesus. And Jesus, that you lived the perfect life that we could not live, that you kept the law in every respect and that you died on the cross, the death that we ought to have died for sin that you rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven and are seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and that you are coming again. We know that there's another day that is coming when our help will finally come from the Lord, when all of the tears of this life will be wiped away, when death will be no more. Jesus, we long for that day in a unique way in this season. Would you please come quickly? Would you heal our world? God, this morning, we are tempted to look so many other places for help. And so I pray that you would draw our eyes back to you. Would you draw our eyes to the one who has loved us from before the foundation of the earth and loves us even now. Pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.